church. That's a good song to just open up with because it brings us to that place. And I think it's wonderful because as we're going to look at this psalm here, that party that God does for us is pretty amazing. And so I'm excited to be with you that day. Let's pray and let's get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we pray that you would bless us and keep us. Pray, Lord, that your face would shine on us and be gracious to us. Lord, help us to turn our ways and turn to your ways. Help us, Lord, to search you, know you more, love each other well. That's the ultimate goal of this church, is to know the Lord more and love each other well. Pray, God, that we would do that with each other. tell you a story. There was a man who lived in the late 1950s. He was single. He never really dated anyone because he was kind of shy, but he had an aunt who worked at a place and set him up with this girl. So he goes out on a date. He picks her up around 7 o'clock at night on a Saturday. They go out to dinner. They have a nice conversation. She really seems to like him, and he really likes her. And so he takes her back to her apartment around 9 p.m. that night, and then he goes home. Nothing happened except that they agreed to see each other the next weekend. Around 4 a.m., he starts to hear this banging on his door, and he doesn't know what's going on, and so he kind of gets startled awake, and walks out to his front door and his door gets kicked in and it's the police. He has no idea what's going on and they knock down his door and they throw him to the ground and they arrest him. And he's taken in for questioning. He's dazed and confused and he doesn't know what's happening and why there's police at his door at such an early hour. And he's brought into an interrogation room and he's questioned for hours, not given a chance to talk to a lawyer, not even given a chance to call a lawyer. He's confused on why this is happening to him. And then they start asking him about the girl he just went on a date with. He doesn't know why. He's concerned, and then he realizes after hours of questioning, he's finally told that the woman was murdered. sentenced to life, 25 years to life in prison. He's struggling. This is the late 1950s. 23 years later, he's released from prison. And the whole time he was in prison, he maintained his innocence from the beginning. And in the late 1950s, after all, there was no DNA evidence. 
evidence to try to find the true killer. This man, though, finds the men who testified against him after searching for about a year, and he gets them to confess that they lied on the stand to convict this guy because they knew who the real killer was. That's where Acts 1 comes in. And after getting this guy to confess and open up his case once more, the man was retried and found not guilty and exonerated from all his charges. The sad thing is, he can never get back his 20, 22 years of wrongful gift he found after being wrongfully convicted was Jesus Christ in jail. There was this ministry that was reaching out to forgotten men, prisoners. They reached out to this guy, and even though he made changes in his life, they found the greatest gift they could ever find, which was Jesus Christ. that are created to make sure that justice is served. And are they really pure organizations? I'm not going to name them all. But you know those organizations. They try to hold the police to an account. They try to hold corporations to an account. They're looking for justice. The world is a very unjust place. This guy lost 23 years of his life, and he's never going to get back. But he found justice. And today, we're promoting criminals, people who break the law, and we're promoting them as saints because they're mistreated by the police or our justice system. We're told that there's things like systemic racism in our justice system. promoting and championing people who do wrong because we've lost our real way of understanding what justice is, or at least it seems that way. See, this guy, he could be saying he was wrongly, wrongfully convicted. He could be saying that justice wasn't served for him, and he'd be right. that we have today stem from people not knowing or willfully not caring about God's justice. Today we're going to see what David is doing about the wrongs of his time, and they still apply to us today. What David went through still applies to us today when it comes to God's justice. We need to, as a church and as a people of God, turn to God's justice really start asking for His will to be done in our lives and in our country. Not our own wills. Otherwise, we're going to continue to see what we've been seeing for the last few decades, which is people turning away from God 
because they pray and God doesn't really answer their prayers. We talked about that last week. Yes, it does. It's just sometimes no. So let's see what the scripture has for us today. Let's see what justice for all really is about because that's what Psalm 5 is. It's justice for all in the way that God works in our lives. It says this, verse 1, <coughs> to the choir master for the flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. sacrifice for you and watch. In the morning you hear my voice. How many of us are praying in the morning? How many of us are waking up every day asking God to hear our prayers? How many of us are turning to God and watching in anticipation him to answer our prayers? That's a real tough question, because the word here in Hebrew is safa, and it's in the PL stem, which causes us to be an emphatic work on the verb. And so that means to be eagerly looking for, to be on the lookout for, to observe accurately, and to lie in wait with anticipation for God's answer. How many of us are truly watching when we pray for the answers that God gives us. And the reason I bring this up is not to show you that I know Hebrew so much better than you all. It's so that you understand that words mean something in the Hebrew. And when you put something like the PL stem on a word, that means it has to be emphatic, that you have to actually look for God to answer a prayer. That's what David was saying. He's watching eagerly. He's praying, Lord, listen to my voice in the morning. Hear me, I need you to have justice for me. Because the world we live in is not giving me justice. My own son's trying to kill me, David says. And yet he's observing accurately. He's lying in wait in anticipation for God's answers. How many of us pray in the morning and then wait to anticipate God's answer? David says, give attention to the cry, my king and my God. For to you do I pray. We're called to pray for something. We're called to pray and to actively wait and anticipate God's response. We're called to pray for justice. How many of us are calling for justice? How many of us are looking for God to do His will in this community? How many of us are waiting for God to do His will in this country? We surely have taken God out of our country. It seems to be we need to get God out of everything. He can't be in school. I mean, there's enough stories out there. You can go online. I know as a coach, I was watching a guy who was praying for his football team. By the way, that's what I do. He was praying for his football team. And you know what? It's been nine long years. He was fired for praying because he worked at a public school. You can't do that with God. Can't have God in a public school. And so he's praying for his team. 
And then he actually stopped because the administration said, you can't do that. And he said, fine, I won't do it on the field. And then guess what? All the students get together and they start to pray before every game because of what this coach did. And he got fired. It's now before the Supreme Court, people. Go read it. Go look it up. It's sad that we're living in a world in America where you can't pray for somebody in public. Are we anticipating God's justice? Are we praying for God's justice? David is doing what's called an imprecatory psalm here. You know what an imprecatory psalm is? It simply means to call down God's judgment on those who are against him. God is actually telling, and David is actually telling us, that we are to call down curses from God on the people who don't want anything to do with God. Are we doing that? Christians shouldn't do that. Churches shouldn't call down God's judgment on people. That's so unloving. No, it's not. In fact, God is telling us that we are to call down His judgment on those who are looking to other things than the justice of God for all. How scary is that? Have you ever heard anyone preach that before? This is, by the way, a call to curse them. David is actually calling God to curse his enemies. Really? Yeah, because it's not out of vindictiveness or a need for vengeance. But they are to call for us to pray that God's justice and will would be done, done against those who don't want God at all. So it's not vindictiveness. It's, it's not even the idea of vengeance. It's the idea of getting God's will to be done. And so we're calling God to do His will on those who want nothing to do with Him. We have a justice system. And what happens when we see the justice system fail? We get mad. Well, what happens when we're watching a sporting event and, and, and a ball is called a strike when you can clearly see it's a strike? Or it's a ball and they call it a strike. In fact, I was just watching some videos last night of umpires because I was watching a guy, I won't name his name, he's a horrible umpire. He's been in the league for a long time, and he's known for being a horrible umpire. In fact, even teams have now said, I don't even want to have a pitcher that's good out there when he's behind the plate. If you know anything about baseball, you know exactly who I'm talking about because he's been there for 30, almost 40 years. He's horrible. In fact, the announcers will even say it. Uh-oh, here he is again. He's going to call that one bad. They're doing it even on the TV, and I'm thinking, how does this guy still have a job? Yet he constantly does it. He's calling balls that are strikes balls, and he's calling strikes that are balls. It's just unreal. It's so injustice. And yet I can see my father watching Michigan football, and I remember he's so angry. They were losing to Indiana, and he threw his beer on them stealing because he was so mad that the referee called something a touchdown. I'll never forget when I was young watching my father watch the Michigan game versus Notre Dame. Boo! Watching against Notre Dame. Rocket. And, 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 and they literally had a fourth down and Michigan stops him and the guy pulls out a three-by-five card and he slides it in between the ball and the first down marker. A three-by-five card. That small. Slides in him, he goes, oh, nope, see how they did it, turnover. 
My dad was so livid. The injustice of it all. I mean, the guy just had to go, eh, and it's a first down. He could just go like that, and it would have been a huge gap, but no. Supposedly, it's straight up and down. I mean, there's so much injustice in our world today, and we get angry about it. And we call for changes, and there needs to be changes in the justice system. However, God's justice system never fails. Amen. God's justice system never fails. Here's the beauty. We can, with confidence, call on God's justice to be done to a world that wants nothing to do with him. That's what we're called to do. The United States has created laws against God's justice. Let me give you an example. Roe v. Wade. Legalized abortion. We've created in this country something against God, and we say it's for your ability to choose. Your ability to choose to murder. What? There needs to be a change to that. Oh, you must be misogynistic. You hate women. No, I don't. I absolutely love women. Women are wonderful creatures that were created by God. And by the way, I can't even say that today nowadays. I can't say a woman was created by God. It's so sad the world we live in. We've created laws against God's ways because we think we're smarter than God. And Christians need to be calling down God's justice to come and take over this place and take away laws that were created against Him. When evil is done and no one is standing up for God's truth, we are to call for God's justice to be done and His will to be done. Are we crying out to Him and asking for this in our world? Or are we just sitting back and waiting to see what's going to be done? Are we just hoping that the umpire is going to retire eventually? So we can get a young guy in there who can call balls and strikes and who has better eyes? Is that what we're doing? Or are we actually wicked. We need to God, we need God to come and do His will. Otherwise, verse 4 through 6 really hits home what's happening in our world today. Verse 4, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful men. Let me tell you something that's very important. Are we seeking God's justice? Because the dictionary of the Bible by Martin Manzer says this, the moral righteousness of God is revealed in his laws and expressed in his judicial acts. God's commands and judgments meet perfect standards of justice. And his proportionation of punishment and reward is also perfectly just. God's justice is impartial. Special praise is his vindicating the penance 
and the needy who have no human champions. Ultimately, all God's ways will be seen as just and equitable. God does not delight in wickedness. Evil is not dwelling in the Lord. When you hear people say this, it's the most frustrating thing I've ever heard. False teachers say this a lot. God loves the sinner that hates his son. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. That's not in Scripture anywhere. In fact, God hates evildoers. But, but I'm an evildoer. Yes, we are. When we don't accept who God is, when we don't turn from our ways and accept Jesus Christ's death on a cross for us, we are evil in God's eyes. In fact, God can't even look at us. We can't even dwell in His presence. So the reality is, God hates the sinner. And He hates sin. And so what He did is, to just make His just happen, He sent His Son to die for us sinners. So that we can be made righteous and find justice Therefore, there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when you accept Jesus Christ, you have fallen into what's called the justice of God. You've been justified by God. You've been made righteous because of Christ's work on the cross. So he loves you. And he desires you to not sin anymore. In fact, he tells you and commands you, don't sin any longer. But people will tell you in the world today, you to just be you. That God loves you so much that He just wants you to accept Jesus Christ so that you can be who God created you to be. No, that's false. That's what a false teacher teaches. God actually created you to worship Him. And when you don't worship Him, you will find, because you're a created being, created to worship something, you will find something to worship. It might be sports. It might be movies, it might be actors, it might be money, it might be a multitude of different things. And you will find idols that you worship. And what God is really saying to us is, turn from your ways and start worshiping me. I used to worship drugs. I love the way that they made me feel. I used to worship alcohol. I love the way that they made me feel. I used to worship sex because it made me feel something. The reality was, when I accepted Christ and I turned from my ways, all those things changed to me. Sex became nothing I wanted ever again until I was married because that's what God wanted. And I rededicated my life to Christ and I was not with another woman ever after that until I married my wife. And even then, I know my buddies would say to me, you got to try on your shoes so you should have sex before you get married because then you'll know if you're compatible. And I was like, no, that's totally wrong. I'm not going to live by that mindset. This is guys I knew in my Christian small group. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. I abstained until I was married. I stopped drinking. I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't have alcohol anymore. I just don't do it because I abstain from it. Not because you can't have a glass of wine. Jesus turned water into wine. However, I do it because
because I don't need it. It doesn't do anything for me. I've got enough clean water. And if you go look at what Paul tells Timothy, I've got enough clean water. I don't need to do it. I don't smoke marijuana. I actually had a guy come to me and said, God created marijuana. Why can't I smoke it? And I'm like, he didn't create it for you to smoke. Yes, he did. And he justified his own understanding of marijuana. And he actually teaches people that you can smoke marijuana. It's good for you. Better than alcohol. Please, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Be sober-minded. God does not delight in wickedness. Evil is not dwelling with the Lord. The boastful cannot stand with God or before God. He hates. Sine in Hebrew means to scorn, decrease in statue, to hate. God hates evildoers. Deuteronomy says this. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone and that there is none remaining, bond or free, then he will say, where is their gods? The rocks in which they took refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drinking offerings. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection, God says to the people. We've created all kinds of idols. We've created all kinds of gods. Evil people come up with other gods to find refuge in, and God hates this. And in the end, he's going to prove many wrong about their gods. The Ten Commandments talk about this as well, and many don't seem to care because they continue to come up with gods to follow, except the one true God. And that's what I'm asking us to do. What gods are we following? Is it the money God? Is it the health God? You know how much people in America spend on health? Is it the political God? Or even worse? Because verse 6 today tells us that God will destroy those who lie, and the Lord abhors those who are bloodthirsty and liars. We need justice from God, but are we looking to God for justice? See, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 96, 13, that before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He judges the world fairly and the nations in accordance with his justice. Emune in Hebrew, meaning steadfastness, faithfulness, trustworthiness. That's what God's justice is for us. Psalm 73 gives us some comfort in knowing that God's justice is going to prevail in the end. But if you have to go read it, (coughs) it's about a guy who's looking at the world going, everything's great for the worldly people. Everything is wonderful for the people who aren't following God. And in the end, he realizes, no, no. seldom early. He's never late, but he's always right on time. When we are patient with God's timing, we can find something important in this life. We can find God himself. Verse 7 says this today, but I 
through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they rebelled against you. Listen, guys, prayers against those who hate God is righteousness. That's what David just showed us in that scripture. This is what David is doing. He's calling down God's justice on those who don't want anything to do with him. That's what an imprecatory psalm is. David is going to dwell with God and enter his house, the Lord's house, because the Lord is steadfast and his love for David is there. We have the same ability. We have the same love that God does for us. We bow down in the presence of God because we fear nothing, but we fear him and we're in awe of him. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. David is asking to be led by God. Psalm 3, 5 through 8. This is interesting to me because we, we, we always quote this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. How many of you know that? How many of you have heard that? Do you ever read 6 or 7 and 8? Listen to what 7 and 8 says. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You see, when this goes is when verses after 3, 5, and 6. When we pray for God's righteousness to be done, it's healing to our flesh and refreshment to our bones. Do we know this, church? Are we experiencing this in our lives? This is justice for all. If not, then we must examine ourselves and we need to learn to take refuge in the Lord. Verse 11 says this, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt you. This is the beauty of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Verse 12, for you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. I mean, this is the point where we can take refuge in the Lord and we can find the Lord's justice, and that's for the believer. Let all of us take refuge in God and rejoice. I'm excited about who God is. I'm excited that we can call on God and we can ask for justice and His will to be done, and we can actually look to God and wait in anticipation for it. We get to sit. Let me just point this out to you. We get to sit in the house and dwell in the presence of the creator of the world. Do you understand that? When you accept Jesus Christ, you get to sit in the presence of the creator of the world 
yes, I said it, the guy who created the world, you get to hang out with him and sit in his presence. When you accept Jesus Christ, he gives you justice forever. If that doesn't blow your mind, I'm going to ask the question, my mind. It's not going to happen this side of heaven. Let me just tell you now, you don't get to experience all of God's joy this side of heaven, but you get to experience God forever in His presence. Not something you can lose, not something you can give up. It is something He spreads for us that justice, that protection, that shield he gives to all believers. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us even though we were sinners. Romans 5 eight, yet while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. It's not about having perfect theology. It's about understanding our position with the creator of the world. He is a place that we can safety in. He's a place that defeated death. He is a place that finds justice when there's injustice. We get justice from God who loves us calling him. He exalts us. We're blessed because his righteousness or justice is the same word really in Hebrew that covers us with favor like a shield. weapon of protection that people will use to cover their most important parts, and God is saying, that's what he's doing for us in this psalm. I mean, I, I don't think you guys, I, I don't know how to explain this any different. There's a guy who gets wrongfully convicted, thrown in jail. His injustice is totally justified. He's angry in the beginning, and then ultimately, because of a ministry that was like, we got to go look at forgotten men, he gets saved because of Jesus Christ. And he realizes that he lost 23 years of his life, but he found justice in the midst of injustice. He was released from this penalty. And he thought to himself, 23 years compared to eternity? said, I love you. God said, I care about you. The guy found justice. The world we live in is going to lie to us. The world we live in says you can find justice in the ACLU. Black Lives Matter. You name it. You can find real justice in all these different organizations. They're going to find you justice. But they're going to lie to you. They're going to take your money, and they're going to buy really nice mansions, really nice cars. Good luck with your justice, by the way. Who cares? Who cares that there are black-on-black crimes constantly in Chicago? Every day, kids are dying. And when one white cop kills a black guy, the world is the end. All the injustice. 
injustices out there. Who cares that there's women being told that it's your body, it's your choice. Go murder that baby. Because that's your right to murder another human being, by the way, who has different DNA than you. So it's not a parasite who's just living off your body. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And that's what we're telling people. So you can find real justice in in the, the American way. But the reality is the world lies to us and tells you you can find it in other places. But true justice only can be found in Jesus Christ. Here's what it says, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus is for all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When God put forward as a propitiation or substitution by His blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We've been justified because of a gift. It's not by works. None of us did it. It's faith that works, not faith by works. There's a complete difference. And there are churches that teach it's faith by your works. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. We have a faith that works. And we follow Christ because of the fact that we've been justified through our faith, our trust, our loyalty in what He did on the cross. Not what I did, not what you did, but what He did. He came to die for the sin of the world. So we can have true justice in this life. Those who turn from their ways and turn to God's ways, they put their faith in Jesus and they can find justice forever. The question is, have we done this church? We know people who say they've done it. But do they really, do they really want to know who God is? Are they really looking and searching for the truth? Or are they just on a habit of teaches from this. When, when the church teaches from this, this, God's word, then I know we can know the truth. When it teaches something like a motivational speaking, I can't know the truth. And so I'm looking to this and this to find the truth, to really search for it. So those who claim to know Jesus... 
are they doing this and this? Or are they not doing this, but they figure out excuses to not do this? They figure out excuses to not do this, and they figure out excuses to not do this. I'm asking if we've prayed and anticipated God's answer for justice. Are we searching for it? Are we searching and seeking after it? Are we resting, truly resting in the justice of God? Because He gives to those who call on His name. Like He gave to the man in jail. Are we doing those things? Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, I pray because we're about to take communion. We're about to look to you in remembrance of what you did for us, the shedding of your blood and the breaking of your body. We do it in remembrance of you once every month, the first Sunday of every month. But do we truly know this? Do we understand your justice? Are we putting our faith in Jesus where we can find justice forever? Are we putting our faith in the scriptures, the truth, the inerrant? There's no errors in the scriptures, the original language, none of it. The truth that you set to us, the revelation that you gave us. Are we putting our trust in that? Are we putting our trust in each other? to pray for each other, to care for each other. Lord, we have many who are sick, many who are struggling. And I pray, God, for those who are sick and struggling. We pray for Mary Block, who's struggling with her knee. We pray for Ray and Carol Patterson. Thank you, Lord, that I had a chance to spend an hour and a half, two hours with Ray last night. his nutty butters. I want to pray for Carol who's in the hospital, that you would be with her. We pray for Juanita Armentrout, Jeannie Vandenboss, you would be with those who are kind of shut in in their house and not able to come out. Lord, I pray that you would be with them. Lord, we pray for Jan Bolhaus and, and all those who are having anxiety issues in this world. Lord, we pray for the health care workers in this world, the emergency personnel, the servicemen and women. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our representatives that we would live true to the Word of God. That we would know you and know that you love us and that you created us in our mother's womb and that you desire all to come to repentance, that none should perish. But Lord, I pray for those who want nothing to do with you and to find excuses to not come to church. Pray that you would be with them, that they would stop figuring out excuses to not meet with others, like it says in Hebrews 10. Lord, I pray that you transform on a renewing of our minds. We would look to you always, the creator of the heavens and the earth, 
to dwell in your presence, and it is joy for us. We get to have joy in that. Lord, I pray that we would be a disciple-making and a multiplying church because of the Great Commission. I pray, Lord, that we would be a missions-based church, living for the glorification of your name. The call for justice to be done in this world, we anticipate it in the morning. We look for your will to be done. Help us to be okay hearing yes and hearing no from the answers of our prayers. I pray, Lord, that we can find contentment in you, not in our circumstances. None of us are truly ever going to find contentment in our circumstances, in our jobs, in our lives. We can only find contentment in true joy, true righteousness in your ways, not our ways. We give up all of these things that are against you. We know you can't have us where people dwell in your presence. And we've been justified through faith in Jesus Christ. So we turn to your ways. We pray Stay our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, trespasses, debts, as we forgive those who sin and trespass.